the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And um, I think it's up for grabs, as I'm reading on the news today. I think it's up for grabs for us on this program to make it our tagline, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I think you're not allowed to say that anymore at Disneyland. That's actually old news. That's been going around a lot today. Maybe we'll get to that at some point on the show because I'm just... It's just an interesting thing that you can't say that anymore, but maybe we can adopt that on our show. Does Disney own that? Is there some kind of trademark? Let's look into this, okay? We can start off our show, you know, in this this fanciful way. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to, and we'll just call it Southern California Live. We'll get the same guy reading it. He probably is available. Anyway, uh, welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. You can give us a call. 888-LA-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. You can join the conversation. The email address is SoCalLive if you want to email us here. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. This is our number two. And today we're talking about some of the things in the news and uh, I am warmed up, and we haven't talked about the war for a little while. There's some cool things uh, being reported. Cool is the wrong word. Why did I say that? Nothing about war is cool. Um, there are some hopeful things being reported about the new the war that maybe uh, the Russians are withdrawing. However, don't uh, jump to that conclusion if you're just looking at the headlines out there. They could be just repositioning for a different kind of attack or something much worse. Dan Lamoth, who works for the Washington Post, uh, he is quoting the Pentagon press secretary who today uh, said, we're not ready to buy the argument that this is a Russian withdrawal. And uh, John Kirby, speaking at a Pentagon news conference, also said that only a small number of Russian forces have pulled back from Kiev and they could be repositioning to attack elsewhere. We continue to see Kiev being struck from the air and we're not at all convinced that the threat to the capital has been radically diminished. You know, with war, you just never know. I mean, what they just said might be wrong. Maybe there is a a massive withdrawal going on. Other stories are saying that Putin doesn't know uh, the truth, that people are afraid to tell him the truth. And this is something that is known to happen in a lot of different regimes throughout world history. It is not an unusual thing for the leader of a nation, particularly in time of war, to have people around him that lie. When things are bad, they just say, oh, no, things are good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it, Putin. Everything's fine. I bet they don't call him Putin. They must call him General Secretary or Your Highness or, you know, something like that. Behind his back, they're calling him Putin, though, until they get put in the gulag. Um, and I think that might be true. Winston Churchill in World War II, he had a, uh, a bunch of really low on the totem pole people in uh, government who he consulted all the time to ask, how am I doing? Because he knew that the people around him might be intimidated by his role, that he's the prime minister, uh, by his demeanor, by the stature that he ultimately was developing in the in the war there, that they be just may not tell him the truth about how it's going. So he, 
he constantly found other groups of people to ask, you know, how am I doing? How's the war going? What's your perception of what's going on? And he felt that they would give him a more honest answer, actually, than his superiors. I think that's interesting. I've experienced that in jobs where I've had, where I've always tried to keep one person around. And as a pastor of a church, you know, sometimes people don't want to tell the pastor, uh, hey, uh, this isn't going really well. Um, I've Usually, I had one person on staff, people would tell her. They wouldn't tell me, but they would tell her. And the great thing is that she would come tell me. And so it worked really well. It's always good to hear the truth. We always want to have uh, the truth as much as possible. And that's one of the harder things about war and the different stories that we hear and the different headlines that are going on. What's true? Now, I want to go back a couple of days. This weekend, President Biden gave a speech, and I wanted to talk about it because it's still a story, this speech. Now, the speech that he gave was in Poland, and it was a great speech, actually, the best speech of his presidency for sure. And if you go on YouTube or somewhere, you can find it, and it's inspiring. It is the type of speech we needed from you know whoever wrote it. Uh, they did a good job. And he did a good job delivering it, all of those things. But you probably didn't hear anything about it because there's one line in that speech that he added supposedly at the end. Well, there's a, there's a controversy about whether or not he just added it, which I think he probably did, uh, or whether you know he meant to say it. The line he added at the end of the speech, and I'll play a clip for you. You're going to hear a clip of, for Biden, who isn't the best orator out there, okay, but for Biden, this is a pretty good speech. But then you're going to hear the line at the end. The line is about Putin. This man cannot remain in power. That's the line you probably have heard that is still being discussed. And uh, I thought I would bring that up today. Play, uh, play that clip there. So in this hour, let the words of Pope John Paul burn as brightly today. Never, ever give up hope. Never doubt. Never tire. Never become discouraged. Be not afraid. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never erase a people's love for liberty. Brutality will never grind down their will to be free. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Now, that's the line at the end. Now, if you don't think of that line, it's a pretty good speech. And for, for Joe Biden, best speech of his presidency, hands down. And he's in Poland, and people are cheering him. People don't cheer Joe Biden's speeches. Uh, you know, they do in the State of the Union address, and they clap, and they sit down, and they do what they do in that speech for anybody, right? But generally speaking at the audiences, he gets a little polite applause People cheered at different points. And bringing in Pope John Paul II, he was a Polish pope, but he was actually a very significant historical figure when it came to the Cold War, if you don't know your history with that. Uh, pope John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, uh, huge um, allies in uh, bringing down the Soviet Union. Great history with all of that. And I was I was pleased with uh, that speech. I thought, oh, good for you. You, you, you did all this. And I wasn't even... Um, opposed to the whole thing at the end where he said, this man cannot remain in power. I was impressed when he said that, frankly. I thought, you're really going to say it. Now, 
The problem is uh, he's people are saying that's not in the speech. And I've watched the speech close enough to to watch his eyes. President Biden has to really keep his eyes on the prompter, on the teleprompter to really read. And, you know, he he struggles with, um, you know, getting things out. So I'm watching and his eyes do leave the prompter momentarily while he's saying that it's, I would say longer than they leave the prompter for anything else. He kind of goes side to side and he's able to do it. He's not as good as Reagan or some other people who he didn't know there was a prompter. He was so good at reading it. Uh, and that's okay. That's fine. We're not, we're not really hiring a president to uh, be able to read off a prompter. Well, so he says at the end, this man cannot remain in power. I think that that's what people think, but there's a dangerous thing. If you're going to say that as the president, because you're committing us to to something. What does that mean? Does that mean it is the policy of the United States government to do regime change in Russia? Because that's what that sounds like. And the story is that within 10 minutes, multiple White House officials were sending out to the media retractions and walking it back. And President Biden came out the next day and had a press conference. And uh, he tries to explain it this way. Go ahead with uh, this is a press conference and the reporter is going to ask him about it. And you can hear the, the tension because it's a, it's a big deal that he said, the president of the United States said, this man cannot remain in power. Go ahead and play that clip. I still want to get back to your original words that he cannot remain in power. Can you help us understand you have more foreign policy experience than any president who has ever held this office? Whether those are your personal feelings or your feelings as president, do you understand why people would believe you as someone commanding one of the largest nuclear arsenals in the world, saying someone cannot remain in power is a statement of U.S. policy? And also, are you concerned about propaganda use of those remarks by the Russians? No and no. Tell me why. You have so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was, going to, I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody believes that. Number one. Number two, what have I been talking about all since this all began? The only war that's worse than one intended is one that's unintended. The last thing I want to do is engage in a land war or a nuclear war with Russia. That's not part of it. I was expressing my outrage at the behavior of this man. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And it's more an aspiration than anything. He shouldn't be in power. There's no, I mean, people like this shouldn't be ruling countries, but they do. The fact they do, but doesn't mean I can't express my outrage about it. So he walks it back a little bit, and he's kind of been back and forth about this. Let me ask you this question. Should we demand that Vladimir Putin be removed from power one way or the other? Okay, however that can be done. And is this what people think anyway, and is it? right for the president to say this. 888-528-2557. Do you have any thoughts about this? 888-528-2557. There's two issues here, really. One is the president saying it, and did he mean it? And I'm kind of in a place where I feel like I'm glad he said it. I don't know if that's the right position I should have, but that's what I'm thinking. And I'm coming from a background of uh, different things that presidents have felt like they needed to say, and the people around them said, you didn't, you shouldn't say it. President Reagan was told by all of his advisors, do not go to the Berlin Wall and tell Mr. Gorbachev to tear down the wall. And President Reagan decided to do it anyway. And that's one of his greatest moments because he said that. There's a statue of him standing there, right? It was a great moment, and what a tragedy of history it would have been 
if President Reagan would not have said that, if you know the history. And then the wall came down shortly after that. Probably one of the the bigger statements that President Reagan made was when he called the Soviet Union at the time the evil empire. And all of his staff, Republicans and Democrats, everybody was opposed to him using that term to describe Russia, to the Soviet Union, as the evil empire. And yet that's what he said. And the difference is, is that when Reagan said that, there was a lot of discussion about whether or not he ought to say it. There was an awful lot of discussion about whether or not uh, we have the moral authority to say the word evil. Evil is a word that translates well into every language in the in the world. You know, sometimes people say things in different countries and the translation is difficult or it's awkward. It doesn't quite mean the same thing. Everybody understands evil. So when Ronald Reagan says they're the evil empire, um, it is the the point is not being missed. The point is is not something that is lost on the Russians at the time. And he said that in 1983. This was the Cold War is in full form. This is pre-Gorbachev. This is a period of time where for him to say that, some people thought that he might risk nuclear war even just by saying that. And uh, Reagan got in trouble one time for testing a microphone. Do you know, I should find the clip of this. Uh, maybe, Wilbert, you can find it for some, some other time. But he said uh, he was testing the microphone, and he thumps it a couple times, and he says, well, ladies and gentlemen, I have just signed legislation and Congress has just passed a bill outlawing Russia. The bombing begins in five minutes. And he was just <laughs> he was just testing the microphone from his ranch in uh, Santa Barbara. Well, Russia went on full alert and uh, the whole world just about went to nuclear war because our funny president decided to test the microphone that way. Imagine if that were to happen today. It would have been on, you know, immediately live on somebody's social media might have started a war. You know, back then somebody had to leak it. It wasn't exactly uh, something that people heard live. Uh, it got out there that he was saying that, and uh, there were some translation problems initially with that. So here's the here's the thought: is it, there does not seem to be a discussion that was had about whether or not President Biden should have said this line that this man should not remain in power. It does not seem to be something that was thought out, but it does seem to be something that President Biden actually thinks. And here's something that I wonder about. And I'm a historian. I'm a presidential historian. I know a lot of how sometimes these things come about. Presidents sometimes say things off the cuff that, that cause them some trouble. President Obama, when he drew a red line in Syria that Putin shouldn't cross, uh, that was an ad lib. That was not planned. And unfortunately, Putin crossed it, and then we did nothing, which is why. Oh, do you have the clip? Uh, play the clip, uh, Wilbert. All right, we'll get to that in a second. So he has the actual clip. You'll have to determine whether or not the actual Ronald Reagan clip of him saying, uh, testing the microphone that way is better, or my impersonation of Reagan saying it is better. One of those two might be better. Okay, here we go. This is Ronald Reagan testing the microphone. I tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. <laughs> and, uh, yep, almost start a war with that one. So, but that was just testing the microphone that went out there, and uh, uh, I miss I miss Ronnie. Um, anyway, uh, so President Biden makes the statement. I'm glad he said it. I I don't know that he should have. I realize there's probably the majority of people who who are saying politically he shouldn't say it. But I'm I'm going to tell you something. 
if President Biden goes down better in history than he looks like he's going to, that line is a good one. That line's going to be on a plaque somewhere, that ad lib line, unless we get nuked or, you know, Putin does something terrible because of it. That's the that's the thing, right, is that it's either a brilliant thing that he put in there or something that's going to be really great or it's going to be really terrible. There's it's no middle ground. There's no squishiness with that line. This man cannot remain in power. Well, is that the policy of the United States and NATO and the allies now? Sure sounds like it has to be. And how do you interpret that if you're Putin? I'm telling you, if Putin goes down, if he loses the war, um, Biden's going to get some credit for that line. That will be something that will be taught. Now, on the other hand here, and you can call if you've got your thoughts about this, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Um the media is still having a hard time with this, and what they're having a hard time with is the fact that Biden walks it back, and all of his staff walked it back, and this is still a, a pretty serious issue. So here we have Dana Perino, who used to be the press secretary for President Bush. She's now on Fox News, and this is what she has learned about it. This is from earlier this morning. Go ahead, clip seven. From the heart, and the White House took less than 10 minutes to get walkbacks <laughs> to reporters. Seriously, there's a, uh, there's White House reporters that had walked the walk back from five different aides within 10 minutes. You've worked at a White House. Do you think that the communications team was able to go to the president after his speech in Poland and say, Mr. President, you just said these nine words. Did you mean to say those? Mm-hmm. And if he says, yes, I did, then you deal with it. I don't think they asked him. So now he's in this position where we have weakened the president on the world stage. And maybe he shouldn't have said what he said. But then he said, but then I think they go a step further when they say he's speaking in his personal capacity. That is ridiculous. This is a speech on the world stage. The most important speech so far of Biden's in Poland, in on the world stage where everybody's watching the adversaries, your allies, your military, your moms and dads. And at the end, you say this line and then the White House tries to say he was speaking in his personal capacity. That is what people are concerned about. Now, here's the question I have is, does the president have control over this? Did he mean to say I think it's what he I think he believes that I think he absolutely Joe Biden has been around for a million years. OK, he he is older than Putin. He has been around so long. He's an old, cold warrior, and whatever you think of him, whether you voted for him or not, he's been around a long time. He's got opinions about the Soviet Union. He's got opinions about what's going on now, and that's what he thinks. Biden's one of those people who says what he thinks and doesn't usually get in trouble for it. Sometimes he needs to get in trouble for saying what he thinks. But what's disturbing here is that is he uh, – you know, the question that comes up often with the president is, is he in control of his own administration? Or somebody else. Because this is a definite statement. This man should not remain in power. That is a statement of policy. And then they walk it back within 10 minutes. And what Dana Perino is saying is they didn't even ask him. That's probably true. I think that that happens that fast. And that's troubling. We cannot, whether he's, you know, some people think that for age reasons, maybe he uh, shouldn't be there and people are covering for him. And that's possible. Those things have happened in the past before. Presidents have had strokes and heart attacks and uh, somebody covers for them. Usually it's the missus. Usually it's the first lady. Lots of people think that Woodrow Wilson's wife ran the country for the, her last uh, for his last couple of years, actually, after he had a stroke. 
Um, what do you think? 888-528-2557. And maybe you can make yourself the president right now and ask yourself, should the policy of the United States, should the policy of our country be that Putin cannot remain in power? And, see, and the concern is what happens with the, the peace talks that are beginning if they are legitimate? Are we going to allow Russia to keep certain parts of Ukraine that they have annexed, like Crimea? Are we going to look for a way where Putin can claim some kind of victory, where he can claim new territory and redraw the lines, and where does that take us? You see, the the reason that I'm glad that he said that, that the president said that, is historically speaking, if this is what we do, and there's there's great reason why we need to stop the killing. There's great reason why we need to do something to to end this war. There's tremendous killing. There's terrible things. There's risk of nuclear and chemical warfare. Lots of reasons to find a way to end it. The question is, is it really going to end it if Putin remains in power or is it just temporary so Putin can rebuild and then go invade Lithuania or Estonia or one of these other countries? What do you think? 888-528-2557. Uh, Corey from Azusa, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how you doing? Nice to be here. I'm good, Corey. What do you think about this? Um, well, to be honest, I think I think to answer one of your uh, one of the questions or one of the statements you made prior, I believe that that anything that could be misconstrued is bad. I mean, we don't we want to be we want to stand firm and speak exactly what our intentions are, especially from a president. Um, and, and no matter how the outcome is, we, we want to say what we mean and not come back and say, well, that's just my opinion. But that's not what I really want to do. You know right. what I mean? He yeah. shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where I'm at is that did, if he meant to say that, should he have not come out and told his people, no, that is what I meant. But uh, he is backing off on it, and I think you're right. It, it sends the wrong message. It sends a, a message of, of weakness and disorganization on our side. Or it also sends maybe he shouldn't have said it, but it has to be what people think. And this is what I think. I think in the background when the NATO leaders get together, they've got to be saying Putin's got to go. That has to be the actual conversation. Corey, I've got to take a break. Thank you for your call. If you want to join in the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be right back with the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. Scuffer with you on this fine Wednesday afternoon. And one of the things that I'm suggesting is I think he meant to say that. I think that that that's at least what he actually believes. And I think that's what most of our allies believe. And uh, there's probably an awful lot of people who are saying, no, we got to give Putin an out. And uh, the question here for me is, should Biden have said that and make that policy at this point? And I'll give you some history about that. You can call and give me your thoughts about this, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. David from Culver City, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, of course, Biden didn't mean that as a policy statement. It was an emotional thing he said at the last minute. Dana Perino and you and all the other hacks on Salem Radio do not know that they didn't ask Biden 
whether that was authorized or not. I'm quite sure he did. Okay? So, yeah, you think so? No right to bother. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, listen, uh, David, I, I think I'm being much- I'm David, I think I'm being pretty complimentary here of President Biden. I mean, what I'm saying is that I think that's what he actually thinks that this man should not remain in power and that he said it because he thinks it. Um, and if you're saying so, the problem is, is if, if he wasn't supposed to say it or if he's created a problem by saying it, should he you know, how do we deal with this? That's what I'm trying to say here, David. There's there's no problem dealing with it. It's not going to happen. Nobody wants Putin deposed. I mean, you don't think so? In in a rebel. No, because right now, if Russia was in the midst of a revolution without a leader, God knows what would happen. You know, they have atomic weapons. We don't want to destabilize Russia right now when they're in the middle of a war in Ukraine. Are you kidding me? Nobody wants to destabilize Russia long term. Maybe they'll get a more sensible person in power. But no sensible person wants Putin out of power. And I don't think Biden wants a revolution in Russia right now or an assassination of Putin. So obviously it was an emotional thing he said. He doesn't think he's qualified to be in power and shouldn't be in power. And any clear-thinking, rational person knows that. All right, David. uh, David, I appreciate your point with that. You know, I don't think that uh, him not being in power necessarily means revolution. Obviously, that's a threat. But uh, the way the uh, Russian people and the Soviets before, they seem to be able, um, since the time of Lenin anyway, to replace their leaders pretty uh, pretty quickly in coup attempts or they end up with a cold or COVID and disappear and uh, suddenly die of that. That's been the history there. Um, I have to disagree in the, in the sense that I, I think it is what, what – Biden, the president, and I think what a lot of people in the West would like to see happen is Putin gone. There's definitely a concern that they have that I think is for real that he could be replaced by somebody worse. That is absolutely part of the discussion. And uh, so you're correct about those things, David. David, I appreciate your call as always. And uh, thank you for being a listener to the show here and challenging us on on those kinds of things. But I want to give you that you know, what I'm really headed with this is the issue of the moral authority of the president of the United States to make a statement like that. Um, I'm, I am curious as to what he would say, president Biden in his private moments, where is he saying, gosh, I wish I didn't say that. Or is he saying in his private moments, you know what that needs to be said. I wish I could convince all the people handling me that this is the direction we need to go. Maybe he's saying a third option there. We don't really know, but we know that presidents, all of them, struggle with their handlers. Okay, when uh, President Reagan was the president, he was handled by a lot of people, and finally they had to give up, and they said, let Reagan be Reagan. That's what they said. Um, And there has been a lot of problems, I think, with the leader of our country not being able to really express what that leader thinks. Um, and maybe there's some good reason for that to have restraint. You know, our last president pretty much had no restraint, all right, with anything. Um, and people would say, let Trump be Trump. I don't know that you really had a choice. He was going to be Trump. But typically speaking, uh, and getting back to the point I'm making here, is when Biden says this, he asserts something, even if it's just in his heart, even if it's just a mistake, even if it's not meant to be policy, he is asserting a certain moral authority. Does the United States still have the moral authority to say this leader needs to go or this leader ought to go or that country ought to do this? 
when President Reagan talked about the evil empire, he was speaking to a group of evangelicals, actually. It was a speech to the annual convention of the National Association of Evangelicals in Orlando, March 8th, 1983. And I've got a couple of things I'll read to you. This is what he had to say. And a lot of that speech, it's a great speech if you want to read it, because it will allow you to evaluate the moral authority that we felt like we had or that President Reagan felt like the United States had in 1983. And what I'm wondering is, do we still have this authority or have we lost it? Um, and maybe I'm a little sentimental, and that's why I'm happy that Biden said what he said. This is what President Reagan said. He said, so I urge you to speak out against those who would place the United States in a position of military and moral inferiority. You know, I've always believed the old that old screw tape reserved his best efforts for those of you in the church. So he's speaking to church people, and he brings up the screw tape letters by uh, C.S. Lewis, which if you've not read that book by C.S. Lewis, it's worth it. Read the book, go to the play. It's amazing. Reagan continues, he says, so in your discussions of the nuclear freeze proposals, that was the big deal back then, uh, nuclear freeze, and what Reagan was doing was saying, no, we're going to build up our arsenal and put the Soviets out of business, basically. Uh, And there's a lot of back and forth about whether or not that was the right way to go, but at the time, that was where we went. He says, I urge you to beware of the temptation of pride, the temptation of blithely declaring yourselves above it all and label both sides equally at fault, to ignore the facts of history and the aggressive impulses of an evil empire. That's where he says it the first time. To simply call the arms race a giant misunderstanding and thereby remove yourself from the struggle between right and wrong and good and evil. He really goes into this speech to start talking about evil and to assert moral authority of the United States. Now, as he's doing this, he doesn't say that we are without our own sins. He also says this. Listen to this. This is 1983. All right. There is sin and evil in the world, and we are enjoined by Scripture and the Lord Jesus to oppose it with all of our might. And then he says, our nation, too, has a legacy of evil with which it must deal. The glory of this land has been its capacity for transcending the moral evils of our past. For example, the long struggle of minority citizens for equal rights, once a source of disunity and civil war, is now a point of pride for all Americans. We must never go back. There is no room for racism, anti-Semitism, or other forms of ethnic and racial hatred in this country. I know that you've been horrified, as have I, by the resurgence of some hate groups preaching bigotry and prejudice. Use the mighty voice of your pulpits and the power powerful standing of your churches to denounce and isolate these hate groups in our midst. The commandment given us is clear and simple. Thou shalt love your neighbor as thyself. But whatever sad episodes exist in our past, any objective observer must hold a positive view of American history, a history that has been the story of hopes fulfilled and dreams made into reality, especially in this century. America has kept a light. And that's a, that's an incredible statement. Okay, from the president of the United States, you could say the same thing now. And uh, so then he talks about this. He says, yes, let us pray for the salvation of all those who live in that totalitarian darkness. So he has made a point that whatever our problems are, and he spells a lot of them out, the sins of our country, the evil that our country has had, still, he says, we are the source of the light, that we are the source, we are the country This is the moral authority question. He says, don't say that they're the same as us just because we have sins and they have sins. He says, we are the country that is able to overcome our sins and to move forward. And we still have a lot of work to do and we should be horrified for it, but we're able to speak to it. 
he says. It's pretty powerful. So then he says, yes, let us pray for the salvation of all of those who live in that totalitarian darkness, meaning the Soviet Union. Pray that they will discover the joy of knowing God. But until they do, let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man, and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. That's a quite a statement. That is quite a statement. And he made it, and people freaked out about it. They freaked out in a similar way to what they're freaking out about Biden, saying that this man should not remain in power. And uh, Biden talking about freedom and all this stuff, it was all the right things to say. So the question I have, maybe you have some thoughts about it, something I'm, as somebody who likes the history of all of this, is do we still have the moral authority that President Reagan articulated so well 30 years ago? Do we still have that today? And see, I think that matters a lot. That matters a lot as to whether or not the president or a leader, in any case, do you have moral authority to state this is wrong and this is right? Nobody's perfect. No country is perfect. Um, Where is that authority? 888-528-2557 if you have a comment. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation here on Southern California Live. So I'm saying this as somebody who um, realizes that it's it's not a good thing that this was ad libbed. Reagan's lines were all scripted and written, and there was you can there's books about the debate about whether or not he should have said it. All right, it was very well thought out. I do think that this is something that came from President Biden's heart. This man should not remain in power. Personally, I believe, although cannot prove, that this is the position of NATO that should have gone unspoken is what they think. Uh, and he said it, and that's why people are walking it back because it has all kinds of implications. But I'm not sure that it's bad that he said it. History will decide. History will determine it. But if it turns out that Ukraine is able to survive this invasion and Russia loses the war and Putin is removed, and especially if Putin is replaced by somebody better, um, this is a pretty good statement. The president will probably walk it back in. Historians, or at least people on his side, the people who are going to design the the uh, Joseph R. Biden Presidential Library and Museum, uh, they're going to lean into it and say, this is a good thing. They're going to whisper like he does because that's what the president does. It only would have been better if he would have leaned into the microphone and whispered it. This man cannot remain in power. That would Then we would have known it was on purpose. Anyway, you're listening to Southern California Live. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be back with this Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. It's great to be with you today. 888-528-2557. We've been having some discussion about moral authority in our country and the president's remarks that are controversial where he said in his speech, apparently an ad lib, that about Putin that this man should not remain in power. And a lot of controversy about it that it's an ad lib, but it sounds like it's policy. Whenever the president is saying it, an official, you know, the reason it sounds like policy is because it's it wasn't an off-the-cup cuff remark. It wasn't like he was walking to the helicopter at, on the lawn and he makes these remarks on the side. It was a speech, a huge speech in a foreign country that is under threat of uh, invasion, uh, or they feel like they are. And uh, that's why it's a big deal, because the context which, with which he said it was significant. 
this man should not remain in power. That's why it's the headline is that sounds like policy. And the White House is walking it back. I'm of the position that uh, maybe it's okay that that's policy. I'm of the position that I think that's what he actually thinks. And I feel like he ought to be able to say what he actually thinks. 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking about uh, President Reagan and uh, a lot of his discussion about moral authority, which is what he used to justify his calling the Soviet Union the evil empire, that there is a moral authority, that some nations, uh, as far as their governments and approach to history and their people, are better. And uh, I think he had a really, really good point with all of that. Um, And the question I have is, do we have that moral authority today, 30 years later? Does the United States still have that or have we lost it? I think that is a a lot of at the root of whether or not a president can say uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, what Biden said, even if it's off the cuff. And and, uh, he's saying it was, but it's definitely what he thinks. You know, a thought uh, here that I also have, and for us as as believers, moral authority matters. Moral authority gives you the ability to not be perfect, but it puts you in a position to speak into an issue, okay? The scriptures are are full of what gives you moral authority. Jesus would talk about this a lot. He wouldn't use the term moral authority, but he would talk about what people should do. And if you want to have moral authority with your friends, for example— Uh, with the people in your life, you need to take the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly enough to take the speck out of your neighbors. See, that's that's moral authority. Have you ever been in a situation where you need to confront somebody and you you know that they're in the wrong and you know that you have the relationship or however it's structured, whether you're a friend or a supervisor or whatever, where you have to engage with somebody to tell them to change their behavior? If you don't have the moral authority, and this is true as a parent, it's true as a police officer, it's it's true as a president, it's true as a boss. Moral authority matters. Do you have the you might have the the legal authority, but do you have the moral authority to be convincing, to actually get things done, to actually have people say, Oh, you're right. Well, one of the ways you do that is you take the log out of your own eye. You make sure and, and President Reagan does that as he talked about the sins of our country, um, as he was calling the Russians the uh the Soviet Union, the evil empire. Uh, this matters a lot, and I'm concerned about our country, that we may not actually have this moral authority. And I think that's a sad thing, and how do we get it back? I think we have a sense of this. I think we have a sense of this because that's why it was so popular for President Trump to say, make America great again and put that on a hat. I think because we feel like we've lost something. And make America great again is not just Donald Trump's thing. Do you know this? There's a history with that. Do you know who used make America great again as a campaign slogan in 2008? Hillary Clinton. I'm not even kidding. Google it. There's a whole thing of Bill Clinton giving a commercial. Elect Hillary and make America great again, he says. That's exactly what it is. You can find it on YouTube. It is there. And Ronald Reagan used it in 1980 when he ran for president. Make America great again. It's been going on for a long time. In 1996, people urged Bob Dole to use that as to say make America great again, and he wouldn't do it. But it's because people, I think, felt that we were, that we were missing something. Uh, I think people felt that uh, – I think people do feel this. And what I would encourage you is that if you feel this, and I feel this, how do we make America great again for real? I don't think we can do it just by saying it. And I don't think we can do it just by simply leaning on our past. When we were talking about the COVID earlier in the last hour, 
the idea that other countries are, are suffering and can use vaccines. We've come under some criticism because we're a country that a lot of people are refusing the vaccine, but we have total supply. We have a glut of it. And I think we would have gained a lot of moral authority by giving that out from the outset to other nations, particularly India, um, where they have suffered greatly, and uh, some other places. I think that we did eventually, and uh, President Trump did some, and so did President Biden. But there was a lot of no America first, which also came from both President Biden and President Trump. And to an extent, you have to take care of your own first. You know, you put the mask on yourself first in an airplane if you ever have the cabin depressurization, uh, like you do. Have you experienced that? I have not, but I, I've heard, I've actually listened to the speech. You put the mask on yourself. So there's a, there's a place for that, uh, for sure. But there's also a place for saying, you know what? We have the ability to really help. A great thing about our country is that we help out our, our enemies, even people that we've gone to war with. You think about it, that 70 years later, we have, we are allies. We are friends, close friends with Japan who attacked us. We are close friends with Germany uh, who attacked everybody. And we rebuilt Germany. We worked really hard to do that. Whenever there is an earthquake in Iran today that takes out a whole bunch of people, Americans get together and send tons of supplies and food. And we do it more than anyone else in the world. We are incredibly generous even to our enemies. Uh, I think that is really significant. Really significant. 888 is the number. A couple of emails that uh, you've sent in. If you can't get to your, uh, can't get to the phone, you can email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, Cassia, I think I'm saying your name right, uh, writes this. If Trump were president and said the same thing, conservatives and Republicans would be praising and agreeing with him, not criticizing uh, the president like they're doing now. Um, most of us feel the same way as President Biden. His comment was, uh, is not going to make things worse, uh, Cassia feels. I hope that you're right. I hope it doesn't make things worse. I, I hope that it helps. I, I really, I really do. It's a, it's a strange time, and we're dealing with the potential of nuclear disaster and what happens if, what if Putin really has lost his mind? What if he is sick? What if he's dying? You know, there's all kinds of rumors and that happen with wars. You don't want to push him into a corner you know, so that he does something terrible. But at the same time, you have to lead. Um, Richard is talking about our, uh, another email from Richard. He says, uh, I think the problem is that generations ago, uh, they pulled God out of schools and started teaching our kids to hate our country and the slowly drip feeding idea into our schools and raising generations of kids to slowly hate our country. Uh, he thinks it's going to take a miracle from God to repair the damages. Um, you know, Richard, it's definitely going to, it's all in God's will anyway. You know, I think that the interesting thing is when you look at world history and what's happening, why from the context of Scripture, from the context of what God is doing through history to ultimately bring Jesus back and to restore uh, the world to uh, what it's meant to be, every country, everything that goes on is not outside of God's control. Why does the United States exist? You know, I think you could say that the United States exists because we uh, are responsible for essentially creating the state of Israel in 1948. Harry Truman did that against everybody's advice. He did that. And he did it because he had a friend named Eddie Jacobson who uh, said, hey, it was Jewish, who said, hey, you need to do this and convinced him and he did it. 
Uh, and maybe the United States exists in history to protect Israel as a state because Israel would probably not exist now if it wasn't for the United States. Um, it's, it's a very interesting way to look at the world. And I think that you're right. We have not been teaching um, the U.S. history in the way that we should. President Reagan, I know we're doing a lot of old presidents. And, you know, if you're, if you're younger, if you weren't around when President Reagan was the president, then I'm talking about stuff that to you is just as old as FDR. I understand that. Um, but I would encourage you to go back and look at what leaders have actually said and to go beyond the, just the, the things that you might have learned from some professor who has an agenda in your college, whether it's liberal or conservative, and take a look at what really people thought at the time and really what things were said. I think that you'll find that our country is a lot better than sometimes it gets portrayed, especially to the kids. I think you will find that there is a spirit of our country that is pretty great and that a lot of it comes from our Judeo-Christian ethic and our background because there's truth in that. And I think that in order for us to be great again, we have to take Jesus' advice, take the log out of our own eye, but then go ahead and take the speck out of our neighbor's that we need to, like Jesus said, we, we should wash each other's feet, we should serve, but then we should go lead. It puts us in a position morally where we can confess our own sins and our imperfections, but at the same time, we should not be hindered in saying that this is right and this is wrong. We're struggling in our own country to define what is right and wrong right now. That's at the core of the gender arguments. It's at the core of of uh, lots of different things that are said in our politics of what is right and what is wrong. And that ultimately is the problem. And if we can't get a handle on all of that, then we're never going to be great again. Then we have lost our moral authority. That's how we can pray for our country, my friends. This is why, by the way, we pray for our leaders and we pray for President Biden and we pray for everybody who's leading. Not that they would be successful in policies that are bad, but that they would change their mind to have policies that are good, that they would turn their hearts to Christ if they know him or come to know Christ if they don't, and that they would seek the Lord for the decisions they make. And our prayers matter. That's why we're commanded to do that in Scripture. So pray for your leaders, pray for the president and all those people. Everybody, thank you for listening to Southern California Live today. I hope that it has been helpful and informative. Thank you for all of your calls and uh, your emails. You can email SoCalLive at KKLA.com to reach me that way. Uh, This is the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I'll be back tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.